are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker, that is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show podcast edition here on Westwood One, powered by CRTV. My name is Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here as well. Thank you for joining us. If you wouldn't mind clicking on that subscribe link right there. If you're listening via iTunes or Stitcher, we would appreciate that. You can also uh, be one of those that leaves us a positive review. A lot of you guys ask, hey, how we, we dig what you guys do. How can we help you out? It's really, you'd be amazed in, in this digital world how much little gestures can really help and go a long way. So leave us a positive review. And the more those accumulate, you know, people have so many options these days. They do take a look at, hey, that one's got, you know, right now I think we're over 200 positive reviews. So that one's got 300. That one's got 400, 500. So this must be kind of where it's at right now. That helps us to get more people to tune in to what we're doing here each and every day. So thank you to those of you that have already done that as well. Let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Todd and Aaron are here as well. And gentlemen, we just finished wrapping up the show for CRTV. Let's give a little hint of what's coming on the television side of things today. Aaron, give us a tease. You got a large dose of progressive hypocrisy and a peek inside the mind of the progressive worldview, which is the, really the secular humanist worldview, both in the opening, um, uh, just a little bit at the opening, uh, towards the end of the opening and then on fake news or not we got the full bore brunt of what progressive elitism looks like and it is not pretty at all todd and i think uh, our guest from uh, cr uh, tv chris pandolfo and you at the end of the show really may have brought us back to earth in an important way talking about what exactly did republicans and by extension people like us gain by this victory that we got in the um, standoff on the government shutdown. Well, if you want to watch that television show today, CRTV.com is how you can access it. Use my name as a promo code, DACE, D-E-A-C-E, and you won't just get a discounted subscription to our show, but to every show at CRTV, including the great one, Mark Levin, Phil Robertson from Duck Dynasty fame, and more. CRTV.com, promo code DACE, and yes, you don't have to get an annual subscription. We do have monthly options available, too. All right, it is a Pop Culture Tuesday, gentlemen, and uh, Academy Award nominations went out today. And I thought it might be fascinating to take a look at the films that were nominated for Best Picture and, and look at what's our theme this year, right? Worldview. Look at the worldview that is articulated by each of these films. Now, I'm looking at the list. I have seen one, two, three of these movies. And there are how many? Ten? Nine. Nine. So I've only seen a third of these. So we're going to have to make some assumptions based off of reports, reviews, the synopsis of the film, what we've heard about it, etc. And just to show you the disconnect of the world 
that the Hollywood elite live in, what they consider the best of their best, and the world that we as average everyday consumers live in. Here's a list. I want to start with this. These were the top grossing movies of 2017. Because ultimately, the number one vote you as a consumer you can make is with what? Your pocketbook. Your pocketbook. So these were the films, average everyday Americans. Before we unveil the actual list, I want to go through what were the top 20 movies of 2017. We're just going to give the title. Todd, you tell me if they were nominated for Best Picture or not. All right? Star Wars The Last Jedi, number one. No. Beauty and the Beast. No. Wonder Woman. No. Guardians of the Galaxy 2. No. Spider-Man Homecoming. No. It. No. Jumanji. No. Thor Ragnarok. No. Despicable Me 3. No. Justice League. No. Those are the top 10. None of the top, none of the 10 most popular films for average everyday Americans nominated for a best picture. Here's the next 10. Logan. No. Fate of the Furious. No. Coco. No. Dunkirk. Yes. It's our first one at number 14. The Lego Batman movie. No. Get Out. Yes. Number 16. Boss Baby. No. Pirates of the Caribbean. Ted, no. Dead Men Tell No Tales. No. Kong Skull Island, which I thought was the most underrated movie of last year. It is a lot of fun. No. Cars 3. No. Those are the top 20 movies of 2017. My number one movie of last year, Wonder, not nominated, I'm guessing. No. Was number 24 on the list. The, run down the list of movies, and let's find out where they rank with consumers. All right? Okay. All right? And we're going to do this in real time because I think it might actually show how hard it is, how far down the list we have to go to find these films. All right? So these are the movies that, that the Hollywood elite are saying are the elite, right? The best of the best, right? This is the nine best films they thought they made last year. Correct. We know two of them are in the top 20. Dunkirk and Get Out. Dunkirk was not on my top 10. I think it's really well done, but it wasn't on my top 10 at the end of the year. Get Out was number two on my list. Okay? So let's go through the other seven films. I'm going to start with the ones I think you've either seen or at least you've heard of. Darkest Hour. I have seen Darkest Hour. And let's see. It's 63rd. All right. I don't think you've seen The Post yet, have you? I have not seen The Post um, let me see where that is at here. Alien Covenant, which is dreadful. Uh, Baywatch, The Shack, Snatched, 59. Okay, now the rest of these movies, I doubt you've either heard of or the only reason you've heard of because of the direct that they're about. Call Me By Your Name. Call Me By Your Name is not in the top 100. Shocking. Ladybird. 67. Phantom Thread. Phantom Thread. Um, oh, that just came out. Not on the list. The Shape of Water. The Shape of Water, which came out around Christmas, if I recall. And that's Guillermo del Toro, right? Yeah. Um, just kind of a quirky, horror, gothic director of some repute. And... That's not in the top 100 films. 
And lastly, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Which I'd never even heard of. And you guys know, oh, here it is. It's 77. It's 77. That's a totally different America, guys. I mean, that's a totally different America. No way around it. If you didn't know any better, you would say Hollywood makes films the general public likes to fund the making of the films with the aberrant worldviews that it prefers. You know what I'm trying to say? So we're suckers. (laughs) Well, at the same token, you know, if they want to put out entertainment that is affirming of what we believe, I'm not going to say no to that at the exact same time, right? So you're saying that all those guys on Facebook comments that are saying, Dace, you're funding holy weird when you go to movies, don't you know that? On the other hand, it works both ways. If that's true, the inverse is also true, which means they're investing money putting out. That can only be true if it's also true. Holly Weird is investing money to put out films that have my value system at the exact same time. Right? They can only pilfer my value system if they're doing what, guys? If they're advocating yeah, it Yeah, they can't pilfer a value system that they're not actually advocating. Right? I can't, I can't pilfer from, the, uh, from your mosque unless I'm advocating Islam. So it's a symbiotic relationship. So with, with it established that yet again, what they think is great and what the public thinks is great are usually not the same things. Let's go through these movies one by one and the worldviews surrounding them. So Todd, the first movie on the list is what? I'm just going to take them in order. Okay. And I don't have the descriptions for the ones that you have already seen or know about. But here, call me by your name. In Northern Italy, in 1983, 17-year-old has a relationship with someone named Oliver, uh, his father's research assistant, with whom he bonds over his emerging sexuality, their Jewish heritage, and the beguiling Italian landscape. In other words, this 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 is the Milo Yiannopoulos film. This is advocating pederasty. Yes. And a a fully grown adult male cultivates the sexuality of an under, not a prepubescent. All right. Do not confuse pederasty with um, pedophilia. This is something you kept talking to me about off the air during the whole Roy Moore saga. We just elected not to address on the air while that was going on because that wasn't the time. And I wasn't insisting that we did it. It was right. Roy Moore was not accused of pedophilia. Roy Moore was accused of a form of pederasty. All right, pedophilia is the sexual molestation of prepubescence. What Roy Moore was accused of was cultivating the sexuality of those of pubescents who are under beneath the age or under the age of majority. That's what we're talking about. All right. Yes. That's what this film is. And yes. this is this is the this is the this is the ideology that got Milo Yiannopoulos removed as the keynote speaker at CPAC one year ago at this time because it came out that he was advocating essentially the storyline of this film that it's a safe place for young men that aren't sure if they're gay or not to have to come under the wing of a gay man and have him show them the glories of their of, of his gayness and 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 take them down the primrose path. That's essentially the storyline of this film. Yes, should be called Gay at the Gadsden Mall. <laughs> so what you're telling me is this is going to win Best Picture. I think it's got a real shot. I mean, it's got every protected class you could imagine, right? Was one of them is one of them not white? Are they both uh, white guys? No, this is a very oh. white film. Uh, then, they, then there, there's a there may be a chance for another movie. Then, okay. oh, they failed the uh, intersectionality. Yes, there. yes, yeah. All right, so that's a film that will appeal to a, one half of one half of percent of Americans. 
Next one on the list. Darkest Hour. Darkest Hour is terrific. Uh, it is uh, in the top, I think it's number four um, on my list. My top four last year were uh, Wonder was number one, Get Out was number two, uh, Wonder Woman was number three, and Darkest Hour was number four. And Gary Oldman, that just that that was that is Winston Churchill. He's not portraying him. I think I, I've used this wording before. He inhabits him. It, it's like it's 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 like he is possessed by the spirit of Winston Churchill. And he is nominated for best actor. I've got to believe he's a favorite for that. It's absolutely terrific. It shows what he was up against with um, a culture that was its elites were ready to surrender to tyranny and the people were not. And he essentially has to he essentially sides with the people over his own. He's he's a member of the aristocracy. He comes from a House of Lords family and he sides with the people over his own peers in the aristocracy in England in 1940. And. Those darkest hours, you know, we had MSNBC come here last week to do a roundtable. One of the reasons why that hour-long roundtable was reduced to three and a half minutes is because of some of the things I did on that roundtable. <laughs> I, I may be why we can't have nice things. <laughs> One of the things I did is the reporter asked us a question about how disappointing was it that people in England were cheering that President Trump wasn't going to come there for the opening of the embassy. And she's like, and you've got this movie out right now, Darkest Hour, that talks about the cooperation of America and the British during, that, during our time of need. And I said, no, it doesn't. I interrupted her. It doesn't say that at all. If you've seen the movie, America is in the movie for one extremely embarrassing scene. And this is with Winston Churchill at his lowest point. Where essentially the entire aristocracy, he, he, he has no other allies in the, in the government. And he's about to go ahead and surrender. And he's looking for anybody in a position of power to give him a standing to continue to fight for the British people. And he calls FDR on the phone. And he, you hear FDR's voice on the phone or, or an actor portraying it. And FDR is like, well, you know, it's not our fight. We're not in this right now. Sorry, Winston. That's essentially what goes on. And I pointed this out to the MSNBC anchor. There was no cooperation. He was on his own. FDR was sitting over in the White House with his thumb up his keister saying, it's not our fight right now. So in other words, I called them on their own horse, Pucky. And I pointed out, there's a lot of Americans that live between California and New York that are probably wondering, why the hell a bunch of European countries that'd be bound to Kaisers, Nazis, and Soviets if it weren't for us, where the hell they get off disrespecting our president? I'm sure a lot of people think like that. And I don't blame them for thinking like that. Hell, I didn't vote for the president. I think like that. Y'all be speaking German twice, uh, trying to figure out what the hell Cyrillic is the third time if it wasn't for us. And this movie points that out and point, doesn't pull any punches, points out how the elite wanted to surrender, take the lesser of two evils. I couldn't recommend it more. Tremendous movie. Next, the only one I've seen, Dunkirk. I think Dunkirk is pretty good. I just don't think it's great. I, I think that it doesn't... I think if you understand that history or you're of that generation and you're, the movie just literally drops you into the middle of it from, the point, from point one, you get what's going on. But if you don't know, and if you're of Aaron's generation, you don't 
I, don't, I think it doesn't do a good enough job of giving you a backstory, how we got to this point. Agreed. And I think that's, that's where it's almost like a docudrama and more of a movie. It's a depicting of an event, but it doesn't really show you on the beaches of Dunkirk was what's left of Western civilization, folks. And if they can't get them off that beach, you're all Zeke Heiling right now. All right? Right now. We're not doing Dunkirk. We're doing um, Man in the High Castle. We're doing that instead. <laughs> Except it's, non, it's in the nonfiction section now, guys. That's what was at stake. Did you get that sense when you saw the movie? Uh, not in, in little snippets, but then it would fleet away and I'd yeah. be bored and I'd ask myself, how am I bored? Right. That's kind of how I felt. Aaron, did you see this one at all? I did not. Okay. I know you. I know you're making in tables and not getting to the movies a lot. So mm-hmm. it, I'm not even going to ask you if you've seen any of these. If you have actually seen any of them, just I'll interrupt just, us. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So on that, we kind of agree. Well done, movie. But it, it, to me, I downgrade it because some stories are harder to tell, and your willingness to take it on, I'm going to give you a built-in, you know, handicap, like in golf. This film. There's no excuse to me in my given who the filmmaker is and what the subject matter is. No excuse to put out a B plus movie. That's why I downgrade it because otherwise a B plus movie. This should have been an easy A, easy A. And um, to me, I I think it missed the mark on that. That's why I would not have made Agreed. it a best picture. What's next? Get Out is awesome. Did see this one. Get Out turns racism inside out on progressives. Does the Academy know that? I have no idea if they know this or not. There's even a scene at the very end. If you haven't seen it, spoiler alert. There's a scene at the very end where a white cop encounters him on the road, the main character, as he's trying to escape. And when you see the film, Aaron, what do you think is going to happen there? Hands up, don't shoot. Yes, that's what you think is going to go down. And you think they're going to blow up their whole narrative right at the very end. Is that not right? Mm -hmm. You're like almost bracing for it. That's not what happens. Cop listens to a story, believes a story, takes him into the squad car, and that's the end of the movie. <laughs> you should see the look on Todd's face. I'm still fascinated by this. I, I mean, my the, the, Bradley Whitford, who was on the left wing for yeah. so many years, playing essentially George Stephanopoulos, right? And um, he's the dad. Who's, he's the main villain in the movie. And when he looks at the black guy and says, I'm not a racist. I'd have voted, I voted for Obama twice. I'd have voted him for a third time if I could. And um, what goes on in this movie is rich white progressives are literally draining black people of their blackness. That's essentially what's happening, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That is rich white progressives are using black people for their own devices. They don't care about them. They're mascots. They're just using them. That is. That's the movie, guys. <laughs> Can you see the look? The Oscars have no idea what they did. You don't believe me. I know you don't believe me, but I promise you it's on demand now. Go watch it. That is the plot line of the movie. Rich white progressives are draining black people of their heritage, of their blackness, and using them for their own devices and essentially as mascots. Am I, am I, if I'm lying, I'm dying, Aaron. Is that not the plot of the that movie? That is. Yep. It's freaking great. Yep. I mean, it is great, great, great. 
they clearly have no idea what they did. I don't here. think they understand what, this they is, were, what they were nominating this is, there. We cannot have all white Oscars again, and there's black people in this. Well, so in a is. way, the ultimate, fulfill, the ultimate fulfillment, Aaron, of Get Out would have yeah. been if they wouldn't have nominated it, right? Yeah, and then, I, I don't know, maybe they watched the original en- ending, because I've, I've brought this up before. The, uh, the, the original ending, the th- theatrical ending is what we're talking about right now, is what most people saw. I think it's the re- the original ending, unless I'm mixing that up, but I think it's the original ending that they had written into the show. That's definitely Black Lives Matter propaganda. But the theatrical cut that we saw, uh, yeah, that is, it turns racism on its head. What's next? Lady Bird. I've not seen this one. A relationship comedy involving a rebellious student at a conservative Catholic Sacramento high school okay. who wants to escape her family and small town constraints to go to college in New York. I've I'd be skeptical of this. I have heard I haven't had in-depth conversations from several conservative Catholic friends of mine who mm-hmm. said they very much enjoyed this film. Does so in in their minds the film doesn't depict her religion as what's holding her back as much as small town mores is that maybe what they think is going on here? I don't because I'd have a heart just like you. The, the skeptical look you were giving me about Get Out having not seen it, yeah, yeah. I'm giving no, that I right know. back to you right I know. now, my friend. The impression, I'm not buying it. No. Okay. The impression I got was more like a lot of inside baseball Catholic understanding. Yeah, I know how that goes. I know how it uh, feels like to grow up that way. But I also got the sense that in the end, there's just there's a a measure of depth about those larger questions and where you end up that that people perhaps either didn't expect or uh or uh think were really done well so i'm again i wasn't skeptical before because i saw a lot of indie movies like this now uh come out that uh aren't necessarily hostile to us but now that this has been anointed yeah i'm I'm skeptical again, yeah. and I need to go have a broader conversation yeah, I, with I'd, these I'd be people. very skeptical. But these are people I'm not, okay. I trust. All right, all right. I'm, I'm from Missouri, you got to show me. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm from Michigan, but I like that saying. All right, so what's, uh, well, actually, I was originally born here. So I was, I'm, I'm like Mitt Romney, I got like five home states. What's the next film on the list? Phantom Thread, set in 1950s London. Reynolds uh, Woodcock, who is played by, and this is his last movie, um, Lincoln. Why? Josh Brolin? No, he played Lincoln. Oh. Um, Oh, um... Why can't I think of his name? It's... uh, I can't remember his name either. But he says this is his last movie. Is a renowned dressmaker whose fastidious life is disrupted by a young, strong-willed woman who becomes his muse and lover. Oh, this is the Daniel Day-Lewis Daniel Day-Lewis, thank you. I can't watch Daniel Day-Lewis movies, man. That's why I've never seen Lincoln. I can't... So he's going out on this one and not Lincoln? You've never seen Lincoln? I haven't. He creeps me out, guys. I'm I'm, I'm ashamed to admit it, but... It's, he's like the Burger King dude come to life. He's like a cannibalistic humanoid underground dweller. Wait, you've never seen Lincoln. It, watching Daniel Day-Lewis, it creeps me out. It's like watching a human... It's like watching an android portray a human being. I, I can't... It, it's like fingernails on a chalkboard. I can't, I can't abide it. The dude cannot abide. I cannot abide this. This is a dude code violation that you can't get over that and, to and see I'm, Lincoln. And I'm, I'm willing to take my lashes for it because there's an ick factor with him. He just, he just creeps me out. Just, wow. I find him creepy. All right. It's like he's not a real person. I, based on the commercials, he he looks creepy in this Phantom Thread. It's, it's like that, one of the most famous scenes in the history of television when we were kids. Remember V? 
the the miniseries. The, yeah, oh, remember yeah. V? Oh yeah. And where who they were, where they were from. Yeah. Remember when Diana opens her mouth and eats the eats the rat? Remember how that was like, almost like for our generation as kids who shot Jr. We like. Can you imagine if we had like fanboy websites and, and text messaging when Diana ate the mouse, ate the rat on V back in the day? Could you imagine how we just would have lost our poop over that, right? Okay. Where are you going with this? That's what watching Daniel Day-Lewis is like <laughs> for me. Wow. It's like he's not really human. We need to get a cardboard cut out of him in the studio and see no. what it does to Steve. No, I can't. I, the dude cannot abide. I cannot abide that. All right. The Post. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's a great movie. It's got it's, Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks. Tough to screw that up. I'm just, I'm going snowflake. I'm just not in a position right now. I'm not at a place in my life I can watch media as heroic in a film right now. I just can't do it. I'm sorry. Moving on. Actually, from the reviews I'm, I'm hearing, nobody is saying it's great. It, and just a decent film uh, doesn't go crazy bonkers. Uh, with uh, a liberal narrative, I heard, uh, you know, there's a couple nuggets in there that are hyped up, particularly with Catherine Graham and being a woman. And there's a scene I'm told in there that she's walking down the steps and women are fawning over her, you know. Um, but other than that, um, I, I people were terrified of how insufferable this movie is going to be. Apparently, it's not, but it's not great either. Okay. Two more: The Shape of Water, an otherworldly fairy tale set against the backdrop of Cold War era. America circa 1963 in a hidden high security government laboratory where a lonely woman works. She's trapped in a life of silence and isolation. I, I believe she's deaf or, or mute. mute. She's mute. Uh, her life has changed forever when she and a, a co-worker discover a secret classified experiment who is some half man, half fish hybrid whom she falls in love with. Okay. I, I read I'm not the a synopsis gear. this morning, and she does a little bit more than fall in love with it, apparently. She gets up on it? That's what the synopsis said. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I've ever seen a Guillermo del Toro movie I've actually liked. And I guess I'm just not artsy enough. I'm not avant-garde enough. I don't get the fetish with him. Hard pass. So what do you think, pederasty or interspecies love? Which one's going to get it? <laughs> Ooh, uh, pederasty. Inter- interspecies love. Pederasty. Uh, I've got 20 bucks on interspecies love. Do you? Yeah. I got a Coke Zero on pederasty. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> All right, quickly. This culture is, is dead. Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. After that just happened. We just bet on whether a film about interspecies, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, uh, coitus uninterruptus, or Thank pederasty you. was going to win Best Picture. Thank America. you, progressives. Love it or leave it. Yep. Go ahead, Todd. I'm sorry. Lastly, after months have passed without a culprit in her daughter's murder case, Mildred Hayes makes a bold move painting three signs leading into her town with a controversial message directed at the town's reverend chief of police. When his uh, second-in-command, uh, an immature mother's boy with a pension for violence, gets involved, uh, the battle between Mildred and, and the sheriff uh, is only exacerbated. We were going to, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Steve, but we were going to review this on the uh, Christmas movie special or something like that, Mm -hmm. Um, and I started bleeping out all the F-bombs, and I literally did not have enough time to bleep all the F-bombs out of the trailer. So So we're we're like in, you know, 
uh, who am I thinking of? The filmmaker that he's doing Star Trek now, and he did you know the J.J. Abrams? No, the Western. No, he's doing that's the other. He's he's the guy known for all the f bombs in his movies, the Western and. Uh, Natural Born Killers and Kill Bill. Oh, that's right. He is doing Star Trek. Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino. So yeah. we're kind of in Quentin Tarantino fi- uh, uh, territory here. That's is what, that what it looks like. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It looked like it would have been really compelling, uh, minus all the f bombs. This has actually gotten um, a lot of word of mouth instantly. It, it like Hollywood of ten years ago. Um, before we got totally in on having to diagnose which of the two movies we just put out there would win, this one, I would think, have a lot of potential to win it. All right, final thoughts. What did we learn today? Gentlemen, Aaron, start. I learned that Hollywood is really good at awarding really bad films. Amen to that. Amen to that. Todd. And this is why I feel no great sense to rush out to the movies, because... Oftentimes, there's no movies to rush out to. There were actually a lot of good movies last year. Not many of them are on this list, but there really were a lot of good movies last year. And and they're more spaced out. I mean, Get Out came out in February, right? Kong Skull Island, which is really underrated. That's on demand. It's on Netflix now. It came out in March. They're much more spaced out. It's not just you have to get out in November and in the summer to see the really cool movies you want to see. I mean, they're, they're doing a much better job of spacing them out. They're making more good movies, too. I, just I have, not many of them are on that list. And the Oscars may... I, I think... Are the Oscars going on at the same time as the Olympics this year? Are they? I have not. I, 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 one of the things I'm, about myself I'm the most proud of is I've not watched an awards show since the 1992 Academy Awards. I love that about Yeah, and me. this is hosted by Jimmy Kimmel. I, 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 this, this could very well tank. They tank almost every year. They, they set the record almost every year for fewest people watching. This will be a sanctimony fest for the one percent. It'll, it'll be like that uh, picture of Conan O'Brien in Haiti we played on the TV show today. That's going to do it. Don't forget, to, we love to have you listen to us. We'll see you again tomorrow, John three seventeen. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you. 